0: I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share with you from his word this morning. When I say that, I I think about um, just the realness of his voice. Uh, I I hope this morning, whether you're visiting with us or whether you're a regular, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, that your heart would just be listening for his words, not mine. You might hear some stuff today that might make you angry at me. That's all right. Uh, my hope is that you would, I'm not saying it will, I'm just saying might. but this, that opportunity to just be listening for his voice. And so how many of you got your Bibles this morning? a few. We got a few. If it's your first time, no worries. We, uh, you're good. But I, we encourage you to bring this. Why? Because we want to get used to opening this book and then opening our hearts to what's, to what's in it. Uh, you know, the Scripture describes this as, as not just a, a book, but the Word of God that's living, powerful. Uh, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It actually cuts right to the heart uh, of each and every one of us. And I've had it happen in my life many times, and many of you would have said the same thing. It's what causes our lives to be changed because something speaks to here. We want to help people find Jesus uh, and find community. And the the thought behind that is that you would find Christ today as a, maybe you don't know the Lord. and, And my hope today is that through the testimonies and through his word, you might find out that the real God of the universe really loves you. He knows you by name. He, his heart is yearning for you to, to, to follow him. And to be honest, our hearts are never satisfied until they find him. And I'd encourage you with that thought this morning but for the Jesus followers here today man we need Christ too. He uh, we've been designed to to not uh, to never be full other than uh, being uh, in his presence and so that's my hope for this morning. Uh thanks to Zach who shared last week if you didn't have a chance to hear that he's talking about that hunger for the Lord you can find that on our YouTube channel. And so welcome to those who are listening online as well. Uh, wanna, we're in a series uh, that's, that's based on a proverb uh, about fishing, uh, and it's this proverb that says, uh, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, but if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, and we've been looking at how this applies to spiritual principles as well, that we'd actually you know, not just give a message today, but to teach you, to, to, as Jesus taught his followers, how to live. When he sent them out, to, you know, last uh, time I was speaking, we taught about you know, how to become fishers of men, how to, how Jesus sent his disciples out but when he sent them out after 3 years with them they were ready they were ready to go out my question is are you are you ready to go out and share your faith with people that's a real question some of you're like looking around like no no I'm asking you are you ready online are you ready to share your faith and uh, maybe you're like well I'm not sure uh, you know I was reminded of my daughter she's 16 now and uh, oh it's um, man it, it, it hits you like this realization she's going to be able to drive on her own and she'll be able to go wherever she wants to go and I'm just like oh, my little girl right but uh, she hates it when I talk about her just being being straight up but uh, she's going to be writing her license pretty soon and her license testing and, and uh, she wasn't you know wanted to make sure she was ready and so studying but then also found like there's an app online where you can self test and see how do you do before and she wanted to make sure that i gotta if i i gotta pass the self test before i can pass the real test before i'm ready for the road and i was reminded of what paul wrote to the corinthians i'll just put this one on the screen second corinthians thirteen five. it says this examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine test yourselves uh surely you know that jesus christ is among you if not you fail the test of genuine faith and to fail a driver's test no big deal to fail this test that's a big deal it's a big deal. And so today, my hope is that we would test ourselves, as Paul challenged us, no matter where we're at, to see, is my faith genuine? And the reason he has to say this is because there's an assumption that people have that, oh yeah, my faith is genuine, my faith is genuine. And today we want to talk about that in, this, in relation to the topic of baptism. Is my faith actually genuine? So let's take a look at what Jesus Command was to his, uh, to his followers, to his disciples. So if you have your Bible, go to Matthew 28. I want you to know that I'm not just you know, saying stuff. It's, it's right here. So it's kind of in the middle of page 808 if you have the same Bible as me. <laughs> Matthew 28. You can read it on the screen uh, as well. It says this, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. How much authority? All, all. All authority on heaven and earth. So basically, he's like, I have the right to do whatever I want. I have all authority everywhere. So based on that authority, he says this. So therefore, go. Go and make disciples. He's telling them, because I have all authority, I can tell you, go and do this. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It was his commission to go fishing. And, uh, you know, Matthew wasn't the only one who was an eyewitness of that event. We have Mark's accounts. If you flip to the right few pages, you'll find Mark 16. We believe that Mark's account actually comes from Peter's eyewitness, uh, uh, an earwitness account of this conversation with jesus and so in mark 16 verse 15 it's that it's another person hearing it hearing it through a different set of ears says it this way and jesus said to them verse 15 go into all the world preach the good news to everyone anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved but anyone who refuses to be to believe will be condemned and those are some powerful words Those powerful words. Basically, in both those things, we get the same three points. Go preach the gospel. Go preach the good news to everyone. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved and will become a disciple. And then teach those disciples to go preach the good news to other disciples who will preach the good news to other disciples who will preach the good news to other disciples. Repeat, repeat, repeat. How many of you would say, yeah, I'm I'm a disciple of Jesus here this morning? Any? We're going to do one raise of hands. This is your one shot to get in. If you're getting in, yes. You know, I'm a disciple. How did we become disciples of Jesus? Because somebody followed the command and said, I'm going to go make a disciple. And all throughout history, made disciples, made disciples, made disciples, till here we are being disciples. But guess what? That message is to us this morning as well. To those who call themselves disciples of Jesus, his message is, go preach the good news. What is the good news? Are you ready to do that? What is the good news? What is the gospel they preach? You know they would go out and they would tell people in different different um, places the very same things. They said, you know, God created the world perfectly, but but we've been but sin entered and ruined everything, including us. Like we're born in this category of sinner, every single one of us throughout history, throughout time. And maybe you would agree to that. You know, none of us had to teach ourselves how to sin. None of us had to teach our children how to do it either. I watched this video the other day of these two little kids, twin girls, so cute. And then it shows them time after time after time pulling each other's hair, trying to rip it out. So finally the parents just shave their heads because they're like, it's the only solution. But nobody, these parents didn't have to teach their children that. You know, it's like the first thing they knew was like I can wreck somebody else, right? That's brokenness in us. And that's what they would preach. They'd say there's sin in every one, every person. And then it would be this realization that there's a hopelessness and a helplessness that I can't save myself. And so they would say to them, the God who created everything sent a savior. He sent a Messiah. He sent an answer. He sent a solution. His name is Jesus. And if you would trust that what Jesus did on a cross is enough for you, he'll rescue you out of sinner category and he'll put you in another place called sainthood. He will wash all the sin away so that you're a saint. Any saints here this morning? Yeah, same hand should be up. And some of you are like, wait, what? I, you don't know what I did this morning on the way here, you know? You don't know what I said. That, that's not how that works. The goodness of the gospel is that he did it all. He's washed away all my past sin, my present sin, my future sin. That's the power of the gospel. It is not so weak that, you know, he saved us and, and, and Brian goes home and, you know, uh, uh, he kicks a cat and drops a, you know, a, a word he shouldn't have said. And all of a sudden, like, oh, the Lord's like, nope, you're on the other side again. Man, this is the power of the gospel is that it saves us to the uttermost, which is incredible. And so they would say, as they would go around teaching people, preaching about this, like, if you trust in him, if you trust in him, then repent, change your mind, turn away from sin, turn to God, be baptized and receive his spirit. And it said time after time, these things would happen. And so he said, you know, preach the good news, which was that. And they said, whoever believes, it's an interesting word, whoever believes, you know, because we think of the word believes, Um, I could ask you here today, how many of you believe, you know, there's a parking lot out there? You'd be like, yeah, we believe in parking lots. You know, we believe in, you know, we believe, and and I could ask, how many believe in God? Like, oh, I believe in God. That's not what this means. It's not this belief that there is a God. That's, That's not what they were saying. They were saying this word is whoever trusts in. Not believes that, but trusts in. I could ask this question this morning, how many people believe in airplanes and and, believe airplanes exist? And everybody's like, yeah, of course, we all believe airplanes exist. That's not trusting. That's not that's not the kind of belief he's talking about. He's talking about when you get on the airplane and you say to the pilot by getting on the airplane, I put my life in your hands. If you take this thing down, I go down with you. If you take it up, I go up with you. My life is in your hands. I trust you. And that is what the disciples were saying. If you would put your life in his hands, you'll be saved that's that belief. and then he says this, and whoever is ba- who believes and is baptized, you know baptized here the thing we, we talk about is those who, who would hear the gospel, who would trust in Christ. the very next step for them was that they would be baptized, and the word means immersion that's what that word actually means. the Greek word, if you look it up, it means immersed not, it's not like a sprinkling, it's not like a little dipping. It is this immersion that's actually more like a continuous immersion, like, like uh, you know, a ship being, that sinks. That's what uh, this, the ship is baptized. It's in, under the water for good. We don't do that kind of baptism here for various reasons. We bring them back up. But it's that picture. It's that picture of this immersion that, that is constant. And I say this to, to, for this reason, that as Jesus followers, baptism's not a one-time deal. You know, we baptized under the water once but it's that idea that we would realize it's speaking of us being immersed in him all the time. And so to you today, if you're a Jesus follower, speaking of us being immersed uh, in, in the presence of Jesus all the time as it changes our lives. They actually use this word baptism back in the uh, same time frame as Jesus about, uh, in pickle recipes. They, uh, same word. They would say, you know, the, the pickle gets, or the cucumber gets dipped in some boiling water, but then it gets baptized in the brine solution. What does that mean? It gets left there until it changes into something new. It's transformed. And that's what he says. By being immersed in Christ, we become transformed into something new. It's this idea like with this cup. If I take this cup and I put it in in the tank here, uh, is the cup in the water? It's not a trick question you can answer. Is the cup in the water? Right. And is there water in the cup? Yeah. It's not the idea of just going in the water. It's that the the water gets in us. It's not just the idea of baptizing Christ. It's that Christ is in us. That's where the power of the change comes. That's why when the Pharisees came to to John and said, we want to be baptized. He's like, you don't understand. He says you want to be baptized basically. You think you can just go in the water and that's all you need. And he's like, I don't care about the outer. It's about the inner. Has the inner been changed? And so we we see that their message that was was simply this, repent, believe, baptize, receive. Repent, believe, baptized, receive. That's simply it. Uh, those four those four words, repent, believe, baptize, receive. And if I, if I could ask you, you know, it's so simple. You know, we, we hear it so simple. Some of you could say it back to me. Let's find out what the, the first disciples, what did they actually do with this command of Jesus to go out and, and do this? So we have Acts chapter two. I love it because I think um, that's exactly what Maya quoted this morning. Acts chapter two. So if you have your Bible, keep going to the right. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We can thank them for the account, the historical account of Jesus' life. But we got to thank Luke for the sequel. He's like, this is what happened next. Acts chapter two. Verse 32, this is their message. He says, Peter, this is Peter's first sermon. He goes out and he preaches the gospel. He's like, God raised Jesus from the dead and we're witnesses of it. We've seen him. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. What does he have? All authority. And it says, and the father, as the father, he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us, which is that we receive the Holy Spirit. Just as you see in here today, verse 36, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their heart which is what only the Lord can do. And he said to, they, they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you what must repent of your sins, change your mind about the life you're living, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, for those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Verse 40, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And verse 41. Those who believed, those who trusted in what Peter said were baptized. They were added to the church that day, about 3,000 of them in all. And here we see it again. Repent, believe, baptize, receive. Repent, believe, baptize, receive. And as we look at these words, it would seem so simple. It would seem so clear. And yet, we have many Christians today who'd say, I'm a professing follower of Jesus who have never taken the third or fourth steps to say, I'm going to be baptized in water. Why is that? Why is that? And my prayer this morning is that we would just open our hearts to his word and say, God, what, what do you say about all of this? You know, some would go back to the Mark, you know, Mark's account. And said, "Hey, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved." And they're like, "Yes," uh, but it also says, "Whoever doesn't believe will be condemned." It doesn't say, "Whoever you know isn't baptized will be be condemned." It just doesn't believe. But in the New Testament, there was this assumption that whoever believed got baptized. That if a person didn't believe, that's why they didn't get baptized. And if people who weren't baptized, people would wonder, "Do they really believe?" And that's the question we want to ask ourselves today because there are many, many hindrances, many common reasons, common things that are, are told to me as, uh, as to why, you know, I, I haven't been baptized. And I'm just grateful that Luke wrote many, many reasons and many, many stories that give us the reasons and the answers to those questions. And I, I think it's worth it for us to look at today. Acts chapter 8, if you flip over a couple more pages to the right. Acts chapter 8 is, uh, man, Luke gives us the account of a man named Philip. Philip's name means lover of horses. Not sure that matters, but just there you go. So Philip is this guy. he's He's not one of the 12. He's not one of the original disciples of Jesus, which tells me something interesting. He's one of the ones that when Jesus said, go out and make disciples, Philip's one of the ones they made. And as he's going out, Philip's kind of an interesting guy. He's like the guy who worked in the food pantry ministry. He's kind of like the deacon of the church, but he's got this heart for evangelism. I would right away thought of Charlie DeBoer. For those of you who know him, it's like, yeah, there he is, tinkering, tinkering. But you tinker with him, he's talking about Jesus. And I was like, man, this is Philip. And so picture this for a minute. As a story, here's Philip. He, as he's having his prayer time, Holy Spirit tells him, hey, go walk down the road. And Philip's like, okay. So he goes and he's walking down the road. And then he's, he's like, I'm, I'm not sure why I'm here. And he hears in his heart, the Lord just saying, hey, you know, go, go eavesdrop on that guy in that chariot. Okay. So he walks and he's walking along beside this chariot, you know, just, just stand there. Listen, the guy's probably like looking over like, oh, well, whatever. And he's reading out of the scriptures. The guy in the chariot is. As he's reading, he's like, he's, he, he, uh, uh, Philip overhears it. And he's like, I recognize that. that that's scripture. And he asks the guy, hey, uh, do you have any idea what you're reading? And the guy's like, no, actually, I have no idea. He's like, would you like to? He's like, I'd like to, but I have nobody to teach me. Philip's like, I could teach you. And this is what Luke says in Acts chapter eight, verse 31. He said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? So he asked Philip to come sit with him. And the place in the scripture, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? He says, for his life is taken from the earth. And so the man asked Philip and said, I ask you, who, who's he talking about? Is it, is it about the, the prophet saying this? Is he speaking of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at that scripture, he preached Jesus to him. He preached the gospel to him. Verse 36, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Verse 37, then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. As I read this account, I was like, man, that question, I think, is something that we should be asking. What hinders me? What hinders me from being baptized? If you're a believer in Jesus and not yet baptized, I think you need to ask this question. And some of the common reasons. And and if you're here, you're like, man, I'm already baptized. This sermon doesn't mean anything to me. Let me share this with you. That there's you could be the next Philip. There's going to be people who have these common questions, these common concerns. that, That you'll be like, oh, I'm glad you asked. And now I know because I actually took notes during that message a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about it. And here we go. Let me explain to you. Let me share the good news of the gospel with you. So if you haven't started taking notes, please grab some paper. Let's go through this. There'll be some scriptures to jot down. Check it out when we get home. I, I dare you. All right. So no, number one, one of the common reasons people don't want to be baptized is or, or haven't is said this. I don't want to have to talk in front of people. I'm, I'm scared to talk in front of people. You know, that's something that we just as a church give people the opportunity to do, but it's not required. Do you realize that by going in this tank and being baptized, it actually speaks the whole message in and of itself? That message is that you say, I am with him. People in the New Testament who saw people get baptized are like, oh, they're with Jesus. They didn't all share all their stories because they knew that it was a picture of them joining Christ. That's what Paul says in Romans, in Romans 6. He says, have you forgotten that when we were were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We were immersed not just in water, we're immersed in him. And we joined him in his death. And he uses these past tense words. We died. Brian and and Maya and any of you who have gone through the the waters, it's like this realization, I died, yeah, but you're still alive. And I love how he said it. I'm crucified with Christ. My old man is, is dead and gone, but the life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, just as Jesus was raised from the dead by his glorious power, now we live in a different life. We live new lives. And, and some of you are like, okay, I, I could probably do that. That's what I believe and trust. But there's a lot of people here. And I don't think I could, I don't think I could do that in front of all these people. Nobody said you had to do it here. I remember preaching on this and we had this guy named, uh, well, we had one gal named Natalie and and she was like, I just got to get baptized right away at the end of the service. Didn't bring clothes, didn't bring a towel. Maybe that's you. And she's like, "It, it has to happen now. And we're like, all right. And then uh, her husband, Matt, was like, I got to get baptized, but I can't do it just yet. Can we go to the beach later? And I was like, yes, we can. And so Matt and a bunch of his buddies, we went to the beach and he sat around a fire and he just shared his faith in Jesus and he got baptized. And then I thought of Victoria. Victoria's here. Uh, And uh, she had said, hey, I'd like to get baptized in the Grand River. I'm like, why would you do that? But uh, she she said, you know, behind her house, there's this gorgeous little area. And so she invited a whole bunch of her friends and we went down there and she was baptized uh, there. And so today, I mean, if you're like, I, I want, we'll, we can go to the Grand River today. We'll just bust a hole in the ice. We'll go to the lake, wherever it has to happen. I remember a young guy named Chad who was like, man, I, I got to get baptized and it has to happen now. And it was during COVID. So he, he got baptized in a guy's bathtub in, uh, in uh, Springvale. I'm like, you know what? We could go ask that guy if his bathtub's available this morning uh, or whatever. But they were just like, no, I, I, I need to, to do this. I didn't realize it didn't have to be right here. But it has to be a public confession, a public declaration. This is what I'm doing. You know, Jesus said it in Luke chapter nine, as he spoke to the people, he said, if anyone's ashamed of me, if anyone's not doing it, because they're ashamed of me or ashamed of my message of the gospel, the son of Man's going to be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the father and the holy angels. When I hear those words, I'm like, this is a, it's a big deal. It is a big deal to, in that sense of standing publicly for our faith. So maybe that's, your, maybe that's the, the, the one reason. Here's a second. I, I was baptized as a baby. So I, I'm good. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do this. I did that. Can I just say this this morning? That's not in the Bible. It's not, it's not in the Bible. You know, I was playing boggle this, uh, this week with some friends. Actually, I hijacked their party. It was a bunch of moms and their daughters playing boggle. And I was like, I could beat all them. And so... <laughs> I begged them to let me play one round, and I beat all of them, and, uh, but I was playing with Simone Caprice, and I was like, if she's playing, uh, she's like, she says this word uh, that she found, and I'm like, that's not a word, and she's like, yes, it is, and she's British, I'm like, maybe it's a British word, but it's not a real word, and so I'm like, no, and so we, I'm like, cross it off, and, and all of a sudden, we, we carry on with the rest of our scoring, and she starts going in her phone, she grabs a Scrabble dictionary, and all of a sudden, she's like, it is a word, Gilder's a word, and she's like, I proved you wrong, and I'm getting my points, and I'm like... I love it. You just gave me a sermon illustration. Because today I would love for you to do the same thing. You're like, baptism, infant baptism is in the Bible. I would love for you to go and search the scriptures for yourself. Would you go? And if you find it, you come over to my house and be like, knock on my door. I'll prove you wrong. And I'd love to sit down and have coffee with you. And I'll change my mind. I'll preach a whole different sermon next week. I would love for you to do it. I would love for you to do it. You know, I think about, this thought that people have this thought, well, I, I did that. So it's all good. I just think about these things. Like there's nothing in scripture that says anything replaces this. There's nothing that replaces it. So, you know, for, for instance, my daughter, she may like, I don't want to do the test. I'm just going to start driving. And she gets pulled over by a cop someday. He's like, Hey, did you pass your driver's test? She's like, no, but I did a math test. That should count. And maybe, you know, you have to go to the the doctor's office, the hospital, you got to go for surgery, like, hey, to the doctor, did you finish med school? No, I watched Grey's Anatomy, the whole thing, you know, we should be good. You're like, no, 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 that doesn't replace this. This is something much more important than that. And so the question is, why do we even have the practice of infant baptism if it's not in the Bible? And I would just say this, it's simply bad theology. It's a poor belief system of what's in Scripture. The Catholic Church is the one who started it. They thought if a person's not baptized, they're going to go to hell, so babies better be baptized before, before anything happens. And just for some, they'd be like, "Well, you know, John Calvin teaches it, or Martin Luther says it, or my pastor said of it. My question is, are any of those Jesus? Are any of those Jesus? Who am I following? Who am I following? As I test my faith, is my genuine faith, a trust and a following of Jesus? And the thought is this, there's nothing wrong with doing it. If you're going to do infant baptism, no problem with that. that you know, that's, that's fine. But if you're, going to, if you're going to do that, I would encourage you to do both. And if you're only going to choose one or the other, I would say choose the one that's actually in the Bible. To choose the one that's actually in scripture. And for some like, yeah, well, our tradition doesn't do that. But I remind you that Jesus said to the Pharisees, you cancel the word of God by your tradition. He said, we were called to follow his word. You know, a couple, <laughs> I was thinking about this, like, like I see, I could see the silence. I, I mean, can hear it and see the faces. I'm like, you know what? A year ago, I wouldn't dare to preach this. But this summer I realized, you know what? God just reminded me, Mark, you're not here to please men. You're here to preach the word. And just to please me. And this morning, my hope is that you would hear his word and, and consider these things because he's called us to follow him genuinely. Are we following Christ and his commands? You know, I love that Luke actually wrote about this. He's like, he went to Ephesus. You can read it in Acts 19. He went to Ephesus and he said to them, hey, have you guys heard of the, the you know, the baptism uh, as a believer in Jesus? And they're like, no, we hadn't even heard of it. And he's like, okay, well now you have. And so they were like, uh, but we were already baptized. John baptized. I was like, he's like, yeah, but that's, that's not the same thing. He's like, you need this one. And they're like, okay, we're in. And they do it right away. I was like, even, even Luke knew that we would have to, at some point in, in, in our time, realize that this would be one of those things. And so the question is, what are you going to do with that now that you know? Are you going to pursue Christ and his commands? And then third, this question, well, what's my family going to think? You know, they baptized me as a baby. What are they going to think? And uh, they feel like, man, I'm going to be going against my parents. I'm going to be going against their wishes, their beliefs by getting baptized. Here's the question I'd have for you to consider this morning. If your parents baptized you as a baby, they probably, their hope was that one day this person, their their child would follow Christ. That's why they baptized you as a baby. And so here you can say to them, mom and dad, thank you. I'm going to finish what you started. I'm actually going to follow Jesus and get baptized because I'm his follower. I obey his commands because how can we call ourselves a follower of Jesus if we don't follow like Jesus? I'm going to do whatever you say. Okay, get baptized. No,pe not that. It's humorous, but it's the truth we need to think about because what does it say about us? And for some, you're like, yeah, but you don't understand. If I do this, man, it's going to create havoc in my family. And here's what Jesus' words were in Matthew 10, verse 37. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. The question is, do we love him most? Yeah, we love mom and dad. Yeah, we love the things they said. But do we love him most? And he calls us to that. He calls us to that. And here's a question to think about. He mentions, take up my cross and follow me. How, how are we going to do the difficult things in life if we can't do the simple one? Honestly, think about that. In our culture where it's going, how are we going to stand for truth on much more difficult issues if we can't even just say, I'm going to stand for this truth or I'm going to follow him in this way? And I would encourage you to think about that. And finally, the last reason is never spoken, but it's here. And it's this little word called pride. It's that sneaky little thing in us that wants to do things my own way. You know, I don't have to do that. I know better is not the words we say, but it's the words we speak without following because the truth is Jesus command wasn't optional. Peter didn't preach that day and say, there's like brothers, what do we do? He's like, repent of your sin, believe in God. And if you feel like it, you know, you should probably get baptized in water. It was like, no, no, this is, this is the process. This is the deal. You know, but there's another side of pride that I think plays in as well. And it sounds like this. Well, I'm not ready yet. You know, I I got a few things to clean up first. I got a few sins I kind of got to work on before I'm ready for this. Do you realize that that's the opposite of what this is all about? This is simply saying, I trust Jesus with all the things I can't clean up. A hundred percent just trust in you. And it requires, man, it requires humility. For some, you're like, man, people here, they know, like I've been in this church for 10 years. And I haven't done it. Oh, this is going to be humiliating. This is going to be humbling. Some of you are like, I'm on the board. This is going to be humbling. <laughs> Some of you are like, I served in the cafe. I've served in kids' church. I, whatever. This is going to be humbling. But you know, Paul said to the Philippians, he said this, we need to have the same attitude as Jesus. It, it, it's that same thought of, I'm not going to look at me in this. I'm just going to look at him. You know, Jesus, who was God, humbled himself to take on a human limited body. He humbled himself to a humiliating death on a cross. He humbled himself so that we might have the chance to humble ourselves before him, to admit our guilt and our need for him, to bury our pride, to confess him as as a savior and to obey him as Lord. That's the whole thought. And and pride wants us to look at us, 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 and it's just calling us to look to him. And so let me finish with one last story. I know some of you are like, yeah, Peter preached long sermons, but so do you. Uh, let me finish with one last story, the account of Paul's life. You can read it on your own, Acts chapter 9 and 22, but here's the account of Paul's life. He went home, uh, he said, as, a, as a religious man, you know, he, was like, he thought that his outward acts of religion made him right with God, and yet inside he was dark enough that he would murder other people who didn't believe the same as him. And he had this moment on the way to Damascus where he's riding his horse and the lights come on, uh, both literally and figuratively in his life. And he's actually blinded by it. And he hears the word of the Lord. Why are you going against me? And so as he ends up in Damascus, his friends take him there. There's a man named Ananias. The Lord sends him to pray for him. And as he prays for him, Paul describes it as this, something like scales fell from my eyes. And that is my prayer for us today. That no matter what you believed about all this, as you read his word, you're like, it's like the, scale, I, the scales fall from the eyes. I'm like, I, I can see it now. I didn't before, but I see it now. And Acts chapter 22, verse 14 tells the rest of the story. It says, then he told me, Ananias says this, that the God of our ancestors has chosen you, Paul to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear him speak. Verse 15, for you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you've seen and heard. Verse 16, so what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, it tells us that Paul immediately got up and was baptized, and then he had dinner. He didn't even eat first. He was like, I got to do this right now. Some are like waiting, like what's the right time? The time is right now. You're like, like right, right now? Could be. It could be. I understand this morning that you're like, yeah, well, I didn't bring a change of clothes and all we got is paper towels. I don't think this is going to be a very good idea. <laughs> I agree. But today you can say, you know what? It's going to be right now. I'm going to pick up my phone. I'm going to text him. I'm going to email him. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do this because I'm going to follow him. I'm going to, I'm going to respond to what the Lord is speaking in my heart. And I only challenge you to respond to the Lord speaking in your heart because here's the thought this morning. The question is, what are you waiting for? And the invitation to consider today in the example of the first disciples is to ask that question, what's hindering me from being baptized? And you know, this morning, I think about that and I say, you know, I think it's worth it for us even asking each other, hey, have you been baptized yet? And you're like, well, that's going to be awkward, but think of this thing. What if in those questions, it gives the person that chance to, to really test their own heart to think, do I actually believe in him? Because what a tragedy What a tragedy it would be if people sat in churches all their life only to find out they never actually had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for real. They thought they did. But like James says, those who are hearers of the word and not doers, they deceive themselves. And so this morning, I believe that the gospel can still change people's lives. That it's no like I'm going to play church. No, I'm selling out my life to him. I want to be immersed in him from here uh, onwards. And so, to close today, just three types of people that may be here, and I just want to leave you with these thoughts. For some people here today, this is your moment to answer that question. Hey, what's hindering me? I'm like, nothing anymore. I'm, I'm in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And maybe it's not this tub, but maybe it's your hot tub. Maybe it's the bathtub. Maybe we're chopping a hole in the ice, but you're like, I'm all in. All in means... Jesus, I'm all in. If you ask me to do this, yes. You ask me to, you know, whatever it is. My answer is yes, because of what you did for me. Second, there's people here today that thought baptism was a one-time thing. You're Jesus followers. and like, yeah, I did that. You know, it's all good. That happened a long time ago. His message to us today is that we would be continually immersed in him. That today you would find that time to be like, Lord, I just need your presence. And man, as we were worshiping together, just God, I just want to be with you. I want you to fill me so you come out of me. It's much like a marriage is way more than just the wedding. It is the living the life together and to be reminded of that. And then finally, there's some people here today and you know, you, you don't know the Lord. You came here today because somebody invited you. you get, somebody's getting baptized or you're like, they're giving you free snacks at the end. And you're like, okay, I'm in. And yet you're here. And as you listen today, you're like, it feels like your eyes are being opened inside. You're like becoming aware of truth. Some of that truth is uncomfortable. It's like, yeah, when you describe a sinner, I I don't like that word, but I feel like that's me. And I do feel like I've tried to change things and I'm like, I wonder if there's a God and I've prayed and I've reached out and I'm like, but I'm I'm not sure. But I get that part of that that realization. And I feel kind of hopeless and I feel helpless. I've tried to fix my life and I can't. I keep doing things that I I know I shouldn't and I, I don't understand it. But I see it. It's because I'm broken. If that's you this morning, that that's a good feeling to have, because it puts us in the place where we realize I can't do this on my own. And He just says, if you'll simply just reach out your hand to His, Jesus, save me. I cannot save myself. Would you save me? He reaches out His nail scarred hands and says, Yeah, put your life in my hands. Come, be baptized, because just this shows it's all been washed away. Your past completely forgiven, your future in my perfect hands. Let's go live life the way it was always meant to be. That longing you have on the inside, it's me that fills that. Let me fill it every day. Let's go. If that's you this morning, man, I challenge you and encourage you not to wait a second longer, but just to simply say, Jesus, I know I need you. Would you save me? had a young guy come up even after church last night and just begin to uh, talk to me about this. Man, I love it. It's Holy Spirit at work, at work. And so finally this morning to ask this question, Lord Jesus, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Why did you have me here this morning? For each of you, that may be a very different reason. But whatever it is, whatever you've heard him say, I'd encourage you to be obedient to that to be obedient to that. So let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. It is living and powerful. It does (laughs) speak to us. God, thank you for your voice on the inside. Lord, thank you for those moments that you come looking for us even when we're not looking for you. Lord, I just pray over this time together that as your word has been spoken, that it would be like seeds in people's hearts and minds that would grow and bear fruit in their lives for their good and for your glory. For those this morning, Lord, who don't know you, I know there's a war on in the spiritual realm for their lives. Father, I pray that they'd recognize your love, that they would hear your voice, that they would see, (laughs) that their eyes would be open to see their need for you, and that as they reach for you, you would save them truly. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for the life that I have in you and with you and forever will have with you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we commit this time to you. We pray that whatever good comes out of it would bring glory to your name. For you deserve the glory, the power, and the praise. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. I await your texts and emails, and we will leave the tank set up for as long as necessary. But uh, I pray, go home and think about this. Really think about it.